0: So I, I think I looked at my parents and said, you know, teaching kids is pretty wonderful. First of all, it it's rewarding. And then teaching kids specifically overseas, as opposed to in Arkansas, in music, in Arkansas, you would be expected to do a marching band for football games. Mm. And I looked at international school music programs and I saw jazz bands and concert bands and musical theater and things that I really loved more than maybe marching bands for football games Mm. Uh, and not not that marching bands are bad but that's just kind of not my passion Mm. and I said yeah international teaching is is pretty great you know that there are certainly some downsides you know you have to endure some jobs that are not your dream job Mm -hmm. and uh, you have to again that word flexibility like in marrakesh i had to be flexible i i had to teach first graders and i'm certainly not an elementary music specialist
1: yeah you put your time in
0: yeah you just kind of learn what needs to be done
1: Welcome to the 74th episode of Tokyo alumni podcast today our guest is from Arkansas. He grew up overseas in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia and Tokyo, Japan, he attended the Berkeley College of Music, where he studied film scoring, and his instrument was the vibraphone. After college, he moved to LA, where he was juggling film scoring, band composing and arranging and playing the piano at the improv comedy theater. He then focused on international teaching, first at the American School of Marrakech, Morocco, then the American School of Lima in Peru, and then on to Shanghai American School in China. He is currently at the Canadian Academy in Kobe, where he teaches band and choir. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Andrew.
0: Thanks, Nicholas. Good to see you.
1: Yeah, good to see you. Fellow fellow teacher on today. Um, so you have a quite substantial experience with the various international schools as both a student and as a teacher. So I think that's going to be the focal point of the conversation today. But first, in your own words, I know I, I just introduced you, but can you just tell us like in a minute who you are, what you do?
0: Sure. I've, I've been in music my whole life and my my parents decided to to go overseas. So that's the the Riyadh Saudi Arabia and Tokyo Japan part and I just fell in love with the the international school lifestyle and uh, eventually got into it myself when I was in my early 30s so that was Morocco and then Peru and then China and now Japan again and mm-hmm. uh, this is the third this is the third time in my life I've lived in Japan and uh, I'm loving it I'm teaching uh, band and choir and Having a great time.
1: So with the international schools, you mentioned as a child, uh, Saudi Arabia and Japan. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your sort of experience as a student?
0: It was hard at first. It was a one-year deal when I was in the second grade and at the Saudi Arabian International School of RIA. That's what it was called at the time. They've changed their name since then. And then we went back when I was in the fifth grade for uh, five more years in a row. And that was really like, okay, I'm not gonna see my friends in Arkansas much anymore. This is kind of a permanent thing that we live overseas now. So it wasn't easy. And my parents worked at the school that I went to so I could go into their classrooms and whatever and see them and sort of um, take comfort in that. But it, you know, it was, I was a kid from Arkansas and this was Saudi Arabia and it was, it was different. And there were, there were kids from all over the world, but eventually I grew to love it. And then when we moved to Japan, when I was in high school, that was hard again. Uh, And it took maybe a year or two for me to, to get into that and really love Tokyo. But um, eventually I did. So, so it's, it's a lot of, Change that was hard, but eventually I grew to love it
1: hmm. um, you have an interesting experience of comparing sort of Saudi Arabia uh, to Japan, and you said that change was hard uh, what, what parts of that you know change in location were the most difficult to adapt to
0: I think any kid you know wants to be near their friends and wants to know who their teachers are and that kind of thing but Um, Saudi Arabia is obviously such a different culture and you know Mm. women had to cover their faces in public and I just didn't know what was going on at first but um, eventually I learned to really embrace those differences and wow this is new and different but at first, you don't say, wow, this is new and different. You say, wow, this is new and scary, and I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. And then I probably said, well, this is new and scary again in Tokyo when I was about 15, when we moved to Tokyo. And of course, of course, I didn't speak the language. I, now I speak Japanese pretty well. But um, yeah, it was just how do restaurants work? How do grocery stores work? How do you... Um, what do you do with your family on the weekends? It was all, uh, different and uh, change always takes some getting used to.
1: And in the beginning, you weren't a teacher, you, you know, went to LA and, um, what was the experience like there at that point in your career? Was there a specific sort of end, end point that you wanted to get to, um, before you decided to switch towards teaching?
0: I showed up in LA with no job and no apartment. And I got an apartment after two days and I knew that I loved music for movies like Star Wars soundtracks and Indiana Jones uh, soundtracks and all that kind of thing. And so, and I knew I loved writing music. So I looked into that and I just fell into um, playing piano for improv comedy shows Mm. through a fluky, chain of events it was a type of work where you didn't have to be really an amazing pianist and I certainly am not an amazing pianist but I if you can play something that sounds Japanese or something that sounds like Indiana Jones or whatever then you know I was able to get work that way and and I loved it and I I got to where I was doing that about four or five nights a week but thanks to my parents I knew that international music teaching was out there and I knew that I was probably pretty well suited for it. So finally, when I was about 30 or 31, I made real uh, strides towards going in that direction with my career.
1: A common question I get. So I'm in my thirties now. And, you know, some of my you know former classmates say they want to go into international teaching. So for you, that earlier steps of like getting the teaching license and all that, like how difficult was it to, to make that transition from sort of being in, in, you know, non-teaching occupation to going into, you know, international teaching and into classrooms.
0: It was uh, a bit difficult. I, I went to take classes at the college of New Jersey, uh, which costs a bit of money. And I had to get a bunch of paperwork together. People had to write me letters of recommendation. And um, it it was a big, big change. Of course, I had to move out of my Los Angeles apartment when I got a job, but I went to a a job fair in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm. And um, I talked to someone from Iraq. Mm. That's That's not a joke. I actually had a job lead in Iraq. And oh, wow. I, had a, I had a lead on a job in libya <laughs> and all kinds of, you know but I, I just got really lucky with the american school of marrakesh morocco so um uh yeah they they took a chance on me and i think i was flexible enough to say okay i'll pack up my stuff in los angeles and move to morocco
1: that's fascinating that you said uh TCNJ. I'm also a TCNJ graduate, so I guess that makes it oh. two hours. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I ended I I ended up doing one summer in Bangkok and then two summers in Mallorca, Spain.
1: Yeah, same. I, I did uh two in Bangkok and one in Mallorca. Mm. But yeah, it's great to hear how long that program has been around. It's it's still going yeah. strong.
0: Yeah. Um Stuart?
1: Yep, Stuart Carroll, (laughs) (laughs) still the head honcho of it. So, to sort of reiterate what you said, and it's similar, I guess, to what I tell people who ask me. You know, who, I'm sure it's similar with you. At least ten, I would say, former ASIJ classmates has asked me. You know how how can I become a teacher? You know, like I see what you do, or I remember ASIJ. There are fond times. I do have to remind them not every school is like ASIJ though, (laughs) and and then uh, but basically to reiterate what you said, essentially get that teaching cert, go to a job fair. And the biggest thing is actually what, as you said, with Iraq, Libya, you have to be flexible that first year. And I think that's what really impedes a lot of people from joining. Cause at least half of the people who asked me, I've been like, Oh, I'm located in this country, you know, or this city with these five schools. And if it's not these five schools, I'm not, you know, and I say, okay, well, you might have some <laughs> difficulty then. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, but ultimately, so you end up in Morocco. Um, how, how long were you in Morocco for?
0: Two, two years.
1: And um, I guess enough time has passed. Is that because um, like most schools that teachers go for their first job, uh, was it like not the most desirable place or?
0: Yeah, it's a smaller school. And they asked me to teach a lot of elementary music, which is not my strength. Mm. Um, my, my strength is really high school. So teaching first graders, um, it, it it was fun, but I'm I'm not claiming that I'm really a specialist at that.
1: Mm.
0: And so so that was two years and and Marrakesh is a great town, and I was saving a decent amount of money and everything was fine, except for the teaching elementary music part, really. And, and so that that was the main thing that made me kind of say, what's the next thing? And uh, then the next thing ended up being uh, FDR in Lima, Peru.
1: Mm. So, yeah, wow. Latin America, totally different surrounding. How would you compare Latin American international schools to the ones in Tokyo? The ones in Tokyo? Um,
0: I would say... I, obviously, uh, Latin America is known for being a little more uh, loosey-goosey, kind of that there aren't such official rules for everything, and I found that to be uh, true. But but it was still, you know, they had their own way of doing things, and and um, I my goal in Lima was just to build up the band and choir programs and. I spent three years trying to do that. Um, uh, I did uh, worry about uh, security a little bit, but I had a great apartment and no problem there. And I took a taxi to and from school and uh, some people stay for 20 or 30 years. I stayed for three years and it was fantastic.
1: So your first post is two years. Your next post is three years. At this point, are you kind of getting sick of jumping around though from country to country?
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I love jumping around. I'm as much as I love Kobe where I am now, I'm thinking about jumping, you know, like I I always think about jumping. Mm. Um, So, so yeah, three years in Peru was fantastic. But again, I sort of said, what's the next thing?
1: Mm. And then uh, was it was Shanghai the, the next location?
0: Right shanghai american school and that was really i i knew that i was in there with some very experienced uh, music teachers and i was learning a lot and my f- uh, facilities were really fantastic uh the the band room and everything and and i got married uh, uh, right towards the end of my time in peru i got married and um yeah shanghai ended up being five years you know and mm-hmm. it could have been it could have been six or seven but but my wife and I just said let's let's try the next thing after five,
1: mm-hmm. and then the next thing ended up being um, Canadian Academy. So was that part of? So at this point, we're talking about a decade of experience. Was that always sort of in the back of your mind, uh, coming back to Japan at some point?
0: Maybe I I don't want to I don't want to hang my happiness on any one country or any one school. Mm. You know I I don't want to say like. If I'm not in Japan, I can't be happy. Mm. But but because I think we can be happy other places. But but the truth is, my wife and I both love Japan. She lived in Japan before thirty years ago. Oh wow! She went to ASIJ for one year.
1: Oh wow! So you're both uh, ASIJ.
0: Yeah, not she, graduates,
1: she, but ASIJ students.
0: Yeah. Right. She was there for ninth grade, and we were recently in Tokyo, and we we saw her old apartment in Daikanyama. Uh-huh. And so she really loves being back to Japan and, and so do I.
1: Mm. So you, you get back and now at Canadian Academy, it's sort of, you know, more or less considered the school right on the West Coast. When people say West Coast International School, it's, it's CA. So how has that compared uh, to, you know, on the East Coast, sort of the big international schools, ASIJ? So now you've sort of had quite a bit of experience in both places. Um, h- how do the two compare?
0: Canadian Academy is just so much smaller. And I think a little more like um, ASIJ is a little more transient, like people come and go.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, Canadian Academy is a little more like this is people's home for, for a lot of years. Mm. And it's very, very family uh, oriented and supportive. Not that ASIJ is not. But, uh, yeah, Canadian Academy is, everybody looks out for each other. It's not overly demanding as far as the amount of hours you have to spend at school. Mm. And, there, you know, there are some adorable slices of history. I still listen to cassette tapes at, at work. <laughs> like, you know, I find cassette tapes of old concerts from 1978, and I I play those tapes, you know, so... Everything is kind of quaint and fun and but I think the number one difference is, you know, Canadian Academy is like half or a third the size of ASIJ. Mm,
1: that's interesting. And I guess that's just contingent on its location uh, being
0: I guess so. Osaka International School is even smaller. Mm. And, and and I don't know why Tokyo needs international schools so much more than Kobe and Osaka, but that's just the way it is right now. the 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 Tokyo schools tend to be so much bigger.
1: Yeah, I've noticed, and there's just so many, right? Because there's there's a lot new. There's more newer schools too. So we're talking almost a dozen, dozen schools yeah. now in Tokyo.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: So I, you know, I like to ask guests often, you know, what sort of their how their international school experience, you know, led towards their current career, like you know if they're a pilot or a doctor or whatever. But in your case. A pretty linear <laughs> transition right is in the classroom to in the classroom but um was that um i'm deducing because of your positive experiences in saudi arabia and uh in in tokyo
0: i think so i i think i looked at my parents and said you know teaching kids is pretty wonderful first of all it it's rewarding and then teaching kids specifically overseas as opposed to in Arkansas. In music, in Arkansas, you would be expected to do a marching band for football games. Mm. And I looked at international school music programs and I saw jazz bands and concert bands and musical theater and things that I really love more than maybe marching bands for football games Mm -hmm. Uh, and not not that marching bands are bad but that's just kind of not my passion Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I said yeah international teaching is is pretty great you know that there are certainly some downsides you know you have to endure some jobs that are not your dream job Mm -hmm. and uh, you have to Again, that word flexibility. Like in Marrakesh, I had to be flexible. I, I had to teach first graders, and I'm certainly not an elementary music specialist.
1: Yeah, you put your time in.
0: Yeah, you just kind of learn what needs to be done.
1: That's really intriguing. And um, as we sort of get towards the end here of the podcast, I don't want to get too specific, but at ASIJ, best memories. Any shout out to any teachers? From that era
0: of the 1990s uh sure i obviously music i i'd like to shout out to uh um brent huber who's no longer with us and carrie nichols who i'm still in touch with um bruce bryant was big for me he was a tv production teacher so those three are the are the first that come to mind mm. Uh, And I, I, have been back to visit ASIJ for like seven different reasons. I've been a substitute there. I've taught drum set, private lessons there. There, there was supposed to be a jazz festival there and I was going to be a teacher at it, but it was just canceled because of COVID. Mm. And sometimes I just go back for fun. So honestly, I've, I've been back to ASIJ so much, um, Jody Fuller has always been so nice to me. She's an elementary music teacher and she's still there. So yeah, it's it's continues to be a big part of my life.
1: Wow. And it's crazy. So we're about 11 years apart, but yeah, I have had both Jody Fuller, about 3 4 years and yeah, Mr. Huber. He was uh phenomenal. I think I had him all all of middle school and high school.
0: Phenomenal. And my predecessor for uh, who was here 20 years is now your colleague, right? George Vest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's it's yeah. it's interesting how our lives uh, intersect. And I, I think that's yeah. what people love about the international teaching community.
0: And the whole world becomes kind of your sandbox and you go over here and play for a while and go over here and play for a while, but we're all connected. Yeah.
1: So on that note, let's take it home. So at the end here, I like to ask guests, what is to come in the next few years, next few decades? What is on the horizon?
0: My, my wife is working on being a full-time international school librarian. I'm sure she will achieve that soon. And um, we don't know how long, much longer we'll be at Canadian Academy. We love it here. We absolutely love Kobe. Uh, and we could stay here for a long time, but we also could be looking for the next thing. Mm. And, um, I'm always writing music and who knows what the next adventure, uh, holds.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's cool to hear, uh, got all those places, Morocco, Peru, (laughs) Saudi Arabia, Japan, China. and Yeah. So many other places, um, possibly in the future. Well, uh, appreciate uh, having you on Andrew. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um hopefully maybe we'll meet in person sometime.
0: I hope some Nicholas, I hope so. Thank you for this. This was fun. <laughs>